Good morning. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Elliot Munn, and I am the pastor here of the Virgins Congregational Church, an open and affirming congregation of the United Church of Christ. That means whoever you are and wherever you are on your life's journey, you're welcome here with us. Please rise and body our spirit for a call to worship. Yangtze and Danube, the Congo and Amazon, all rivers flow toward the seas that encircle our earth. May the praises of all people flow toward God as a great wave of worship. Andes and Alps, Himalayas and green mountains, all peaks take root in one good earth. May the hopes of all people take root in a holy love that bids us all be one. Sirocco and Zephyr, meadow breezes and Arctic blasts, all winds move about with freedom and power. May the faith of all people move about freely in the world to empower deeds of loving kindness. In the worship of this morning, in the actions of every day, may we remain always in communion with God and with one another.
Please join me in prayer. Compassionate God, in a world which is broken, in communities which are divided, with lives that are wounded, we turn to you for healing. We open our hearts to you and receive your encouragement. We listen to your word and find new meaning and strength. We stretch out our hands to you, hungering for the peace and reconciliation that will make us one. In Christ we pray, amen. So the first reading today is from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to kindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I've put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day when I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The second reading is from Luke and I'm actually going to read uh, chapter 17. I'm actually going to read verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. 
it would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending in the sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, I went to my office during that response because I forgot a very important prop that Elizabeth prepared for me, and she would have been upset if I forgot it. In this week's Addison Independent, there is an article about one man's encounter with taking the leap into Christian community. 
The article is short but densely packed with his theological and philosophical insights. Here are a few quotes. Christianity is a radical, joyful act in the face of overwhelming existential darkness. When he first started, a mentor urged him to join a church. He was skeptical at first. I thought, I don't want to join a club. I just want to be a Christian, he recalled. It turns out the former is the best way to achieve the latter. In the last quote, I see church as people who have stared deep into the nihilistic abyss of the human condition and made the decision to do something silly, challenging, and fun for its own sake. Okay, I may have er, tweaked a few of the details. I substituted Christianity for growing giant pumpkins. Be a Christian for to grow a pumpkin. And a church for the Vermont Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. You can read all about it here. I enjoyed this tongue-in-cheek article because of how playfully it handles a seemingly universal truth. We are enthralled with the power of little seeds and enormous plants to reflect the complexity of our spiritual life. Rather than pumpkin seeds, Jesus loved to theologize about mustard seeds. And he mentions them in the three synoptic gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus uses the parable of the tiny mustard seed that grows into a large plant along with several other agricultural parables to describe the kingdom of God. Today's scripture is actually a second reference to the mustard seed, unique to Matthew and Luke. In Matthew, the disciples come to Jesus wondering why they don't have the power to cast out demons from a little boy. And Jesus scolds them for their lack of faith. If you had but the faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. In fact, never mind perform a routine exorcism. The version version we heard in Luke is a slightly different context. The disciples ask Jesus for more faith because of the lofty expectations he puts on them for Christian community. And he explains those at the beginning of our reading that those, he explains at the beginning of our reading that those with a mature faith must, they have a responsibility to lead those who are newer and to not lead them astray. It would be better to be tossed into the sea with a millstone, that is a huge weight around one's neck, than to give into this temptation to lead the newer disciples astray. This caution is paired with commands to hold others accountable for their sins and forgive the sinners who repent. There's no limit on how many times one can be forgiven. A sinner could break their oath to repent seven times in a single day, and Jesus commands us to forgive still.
Jesus' expectations are lofty. And for Christian community, because Christian community is a space in which he calls us to be brave enough to confront folks who are acting sinfully and gracious enough to accept their repentance. With expectations like these, it's hard to blame the disciples for asking for more faith. To this, Jesus says, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. It's not as poetic as moving mountains, and I don't think it's supposed to be. It's meant to be absurd, like pigs flying. Jesus is acknowledging the challenges of being together. People behaving well all the time? Impossible. And yet the fact that we can live together into this aspirational call is a testament to faith's very power. Through faith, the Holy Spirit breathes life into the church to do the extraordinary. Lest we become too satisfied with our good works through faith, Jesus then offers some uncomfortably challenging words by invoking the institution of slavery. He posits that one would not ask one slave to take a seat at the dinner table until after they have prepared and served the master their meal. Likewise, the slave should neither be commended or be too self-satisfied for doing what is expected. He delivers these words without challenging the institution of slavery. We are merely to accept them as obvious and deduce that we as servants of God should serve with humility. So our gospel today really hits a trifecta of cringiness, right? In our first section, we get a love the sinner, not the sin lesson. In our second, our rationality is challenged, imagining trees growing and being planted and growing from the sea. And in the third, slavery is normative and humility looks a whole lot like self-loathing. Ouch. Where is the good news? We could find it in a mustard seed or perhaps a pumpkin seed of faith. Because faith at its core is gardening. Growing oversized pumpkins, I learned from this article, requires Dill's Atlantic giant pumpkin seeds. And the seeds of faith come directly from the Holy Spirit. We can cultivate the soil, prune the branches and ensure that the plant has enough water and sunlight. And still God works through us and factors outside of our control to grow giant pumpkins of faith. We are not alone in tending God's vision. Just as growers benefit from an association, what was it, the Vermont Giant Pumpkin Growers Association, right? that offers advice, encouragement, and companionship, so do Christians. The best and arguably only way for our seeds of faith to grow is in 
community, in communion. Faith's DNA is too demanding to grow completely on its own. So when someone comes up with a harebrained idea to shortcut the growth of our faith, what does it do? It fails spectacularly. Just like when someone tries to boost the pumpkin size, why, what do they do? They add milk, right? That's the old uh, gardening trick, right? That'll make your pumpkins grow bigger. They mention that in this article, and the farmer says, do, do not do this. Absolutely not. Do not feed your pumpkin milk. Milk curdles, it rots, it invites mildew, fungus, and bacteria. Just don't do it. This, this type of passion comes from somebody, sounds like it comes from somebody who's tried this, right? <laughs> Likewise, Jesus speaks from experience as a gardener of faith when he tells the disciples to lead faithfully. Make things right when we miss the mark. And forgive again and again. This is the type of tending that allows a church to thrive. And when the church flourishes, wow, is it ever a sight to behold. Much like giant pumpkins, it brings joy to a world in deep need. It can certainly be silly, challenging, and fun as we care for God's world. Feel free to snap a selfie if you'd like, but no duck faces, please. Nothing too serious. To take ourselves too seriously is to miss the point. Creation sprouts from the seeds of God's joy, and God is inviting us together to join in this journey of faith, this cultivation of faith, and to enjoy its delights. Amen.
Let us continue in the spirit of prayer. God of abundance, you fill the air, the sea, and the land with beautiful things for us to enjoy. The leaves are flashing yellows and reds. Gourds are ripe for the harvesting. Frost shocks the morning and dazzles us with fields of sparkling grass. The days are growing shorter and the colors warmer. Your glory is on full display as autumn creeps closer to its peak. Steadfast God, your goodness and devotion to us is unmatched. While we are prone to complaining, doubting, and undermining your plan for us, you do not leave us to suffer. Your mercy reigns new every morning, providing for our needs, restoring our hope, and our faith for our journey with you. Giver of all good gifts, we thank you for the blessing of church, the friendships that sustain us, the creativity that inspire us, the spirit that draws us together and sends us out to embody your love, justice, and peace. Compassionate God, hear the cries of suffering people people in Florida, people in Ukraine, people in Russia, people all over the world, and move quickly to comfort them. Heal the sick in mind, body, and spirit. Invigorate the spirits of the depressed. Help them feel the nearness of you and the support of your beloved community. Lift up these those who suffer from violence in all its forms, break down the infrastructure of oppression that discredits pleas for justice, and recast perpetrators as victims. Stir each of us to be as Christ to one another, giving generously of ourselves to live his familiar words. Our creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. from this place with an appreciation that we are part of a global church and a conviction that we are bread to feed a hungry world. Go forth with all the blessings of God's grace. Amen.